TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Today, I am joined by Dr. Dingle. He's spent the past 25 years as a researcher, educator, author, and public health advocate for Common Sense. He is one of Australia's leading motivational health speakers. He was an associate professor professor in health and the environment for 25 years before being rewired and runs corporate health and well-being programs and public speaking around Australia. He currently has over 10 books in print with the latest ones, The Great Cholesterol Deception, Take Control and Realize Your Potential, and A Supplement a Day Keeps the Doctor Away, as well as his new book, Dangerous Beauty, which has been released in four weeks' time. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dingle. Thank you, Helen. It's great to be here. And, and, and thank you, thank you all, your, all your watchers and listeners for, for channeling in here. Um, I hope, in fact, I know I'll be able to give you some really good information. Awesome. So where would you like to start today, Helen? I think I've got about 100 hours non-stop blurb to start with. <laughs> All right. I want to find out about you. And in your bio, you tell us that you were rewired. What does that mean? Well, look, I, I suppose my rewiring literally was a journey that I took through my through my teaching days because uh, as, a, as a normal everyday academic, you go out there and you, 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 you learn your stuff at university, then you go out and you start teaching it, right? And then uh, I was fortunate, I went on to do my PhD and my PhD, uh, which is a doctorate, so I'm a real doctor because I have a doctorate, um, it, it, it raised questions and it raised questions about chemicals in the home and the fact that we're, we're exposing ourselves every day to chemicals. My PhD was on formaldehyde and other volatile chemicals and it raised questions about these chemicals that were being exposed to every day and virtually nothing was being done about it. The more I looked into it, the more I realised there's this huge gap of information. And I, I, I suppose then, then I got into my teaching and as I was teaching, I, I, one of the first things I would ask my students to do is to not believe me. Don't believe me. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to get excited about it and go home and prove me wrong. And if you can't prove me wrong, then go out and teach it. And I would have my students in every single unit, but particularly my final year, my fourth year university students coming and presenting on topics like um, reversing multiple sclerosis and reversing or, or, or you know, the cholesterol deception or uh, salt wasn't bad for you, or margarine was bad for you. And I had dozens and dozens of these topics. And each time the students presented a topic, they, the other students, and remember these are third and fourth university students and they've all been taught to research, had to go out and disprove them. So the students had to get it pretty right, otherwise they're going to be embarrassing. So they presented it, and the other students came back the following week on, on virtually all of these topics and many more that I talked about. 
you know, the, the myth about calcium, the myth about milk, the myth, myth about a whole, just so many topics out there mm. that, that they presented them, the students assessed them and they came back and said, hold on, this is true. What you presented is true, but we're getting educated by the Heart Foundation, by the government. We're getting educated by the drug companies, the doctors. We're getting educated by all these people and reputable groups out there, and it's wrong. And it's wrong. So mm. they started me on the journey. And, of course, what it meant was when I left uni, which was six years ago now, I've, um, I I've been able to spend a lot more time going and delving even deeper into it. But moving away from that traditional academic role of, yeah, okay, here's the, write the paper, submit the paper, do the paper, and, and get it out into the public. I'm passionate. I'm sure you can tell that and you know me already there. And I'm passionate about getting this information to the public. You see, I don't have a vested interest. I don't sell salt. I don't sell butter. I don't sell margarine. You know, I, I don't sell all of these products out there. Um, I don't sell sunscreens that are causing cancer. You know, um, I don't sell these things. So people look and say, well, they're trying to find this person who has a, I suppose, doesn't have a vested interest, someone who is able to actually put the science together. And when I do that, I try to get it out to the public. So we do, I do a lot of public talks. I write them into my books, you know. Uh, again, I've got a book called Medical Myths and Health Lies That Are Killing Us, and it's got about 30 chapters just on the stupid things that we believe in that we've been brainwashed to believe in simply because there's a commercial interest. You know, the dairy industry. The dairy industry is huge. The grain industry in Australia, the meat industry in Australia, it's all huge. And, and so you see even the major organisations in Australia, CSIRO, the universities who, who teach nutrition, are still promoting a lot of this food that I have no doubt is killing us. Mm. And so my, my rewiring is taking it from what I knew, my students had initiated me on the path to get out there and do it differently. So I'm fortunate in that I do a lot of public speaking. I, I, you know, I do about 80 talks a year. Wow. And so there's about a dozen or so conferences. And the great thing, the great thing about the conferences is I get to some of the leaders and, uh, you know, I might, might be speaking to a corporate group. Um, uh, it might be accountants associations or it might be uh, real estate agents. But there are people out there who have other networks and when I present it, they go, wow, this is different to what we've been told by those other speakers. This is different. Hold on. But it sounds true because I, I, don't, just, I don't just say it. I back it up. I show the evidence. I, I identify where the evidence is, evidence is. And in my books, and that's one of the reasons I write my books, and by the way, there are 15 now. Oh, wow. Um, you need to update your bio. I another one. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, 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 one of the good things about leaving university, I've actually got more time to mm. do research. Mm. Much more time to do research. So every day, I literally get into the research. First thing I do, and this is uh, usually about 6 o'clock in the morning. It's winter, so I get up a bit later. 6 o'clock in the morning, I hop on, do some research, start to write it into one of the books that I'm writing. Um, and, then, uh, and then probably, by the way, after an hour and a half, I head back to bed to get warm and have a cup of tea. So I've got a, <laughs> I like that. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good lifestyle. Um, I practice, by the way, I practice what I preach, okay? Yeah, so, well, I, did, um, I, I did want to delve into that, actually. I wanted to ask you what a, what do, what a Dr. Dingle Day looks like. And you've already started us off, um, so maybe it might be a good time to tell us about that. So you, you get out of bed nice and early at 6 o'clock. That's a lion for you, is it right, in winter? Yep. 
Yep, yep. Look, I get, I, I get out. I, I, I get a bit. It's a bit chilly in the room at the moment. You know, it, I'm in, I'm in Fremantle. Great weather, by the way, at the moment. But still a bit chilly in the morning. Um, and then, I'll, then I'll head back to bed to, to warm up and put the, put the, um, you know, have a cup of tea with, with my wife Martine, who's a naturopath. And, and one of the first things I say to her is, Martine, guess what I found today? Guess what I found? I found, you know, and. And then she goes, oh, yeah, another one. And, and so, you know, we, we, found, we found this. We found, I found this amazing study last week. It's not published. It's not officially published till um, uh, I think it's the 17th of September, but it's a pre-publication that they do online. And it actually showed that some of the chemicals that we find in cosmetics and personal care products, a group called parabens, mm. the levels that the mothers had when they were just before they gave birth, in their urine and the levels in the children at three years of age were both correlated with thyroid problems in three-year-old girls. Whoa. Yeah, I know. It's scary, isn't it? It's this, ter- is what's, this is what terrifying. scares me. I thought, what I thought you were going to say there was that, um, you know, it was going to cause thyroid problems for the mothers because that's what we hear all the time, right? Underactive thyroid, Hashimoto's, thyroid, 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 it all seems to come to that. But you're telling me this is causing problems in children. This is where these problems come from. It's not, it's not because, you know, you get the Hashimoto's, you get the thyroid, and, and about 30% of hypothyroidism, you know, in women. This is subclinical hypothyroidism. You've got about 8 or 10% that are diagnosed. You've got another 30% of women who are running around with low energy, a bit tired, and a bit tired. Yeah, yeah, you know, just things aren't working, focus, concentration, memory, all of those things are playing heaven. And we can put it down to lots of excuses, but one of those real, real reasons is the chemicals we're exposed to. And so this study highlighted that it starts in utero, it starts at three, it starts at four, and there are studies dating all the way back, and there's no one, no one else out there doing the research, the research doing it, the researchers, you know, in the US and Europe are doing it, and they're going, wow, look at this. This is amazing. But then nobody reads the journals. And if they do read the journals, they don't then get it out to the public. So, you know, that's, that's a classic example. Now, going back to the original thing, what do I do? Well, after getting excited and telling Martine <laughs> about it, she'll talk about her experiences with, um, you know, with women, some of her clients with um, hyperthyroidism or, or even hyper high thyroid activity, which I seem to be coming across more recently. I haven't looked into that one, but... You know, so we talk, we discuss that uh, over a cup of tea or two or, or even three. And it's gr- a green tea first thing in the morning, nice. a cup of green tea. And, and then it's, the, it's kind of get up and get into the day. And uh, I'll usually, I'll usually uh, yeah, start a little bit more research, get back on the computer, start doing some of the admin stuff that always comes along. But um, I don't have too much, fortunately. Contact people, line up a few more talks, do all those other bits of admin things in the morning. Uh, I, I typically then go have my breakfast, which is a, a green smoothie or a, a veggie smoothie. Mm-hmm. And um, at the moment, I'm doing every second one of those almost live on my Facebook page. Oh, so oh, um, I, I, did, I, did one, I did one this morning. Don't tell anyone else. I cheated on this one. Uh, Martine cut it all up for me. Oh, <laughs> well, why not? She, she prepped it. She prepped it for me and, oh, she prepped it ready to do it. And I thought, hold on, I'll do this live. So I took it out of the container, put it back on there and then went out and I made the smoothie in front of people. <laughs> and I talked, about, I talked about the benefits of the, the green smoothies or the veggie smoothies and I talked about some of the ingredients that I love, uh, linseed, for example, particularly for women, women's issues and so on. 
Uh, and I also highlight it's about four dollars a kilo, and I don't own shares yeah. in the oh. in the flax or linseed business. So that's typically something I do. Um, uh, I'd probably then go and and uh, soon after also have a green drink. I drink a green key. You know, it's a bit of a mixture of um, chlorella, chlorella, spirulina, the green drinks with some other nutrients in there because I, I really do believe that we are plant-based eaters. Now I'm not vegetarian or vegan. Understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's a way to you know there's there, there's a way to eat the meat and it's different from the way we do it the the way that most uh, people do it. But I'm I'm a big advocate for having a lot more veggies and a lot more fruit and nuts and beans and all those other bits and pieces, all the veggies in our in our program. So that'd be fairly typical. I'd go and have um, lunch lunch, depending on when it is summer. I'd have a a, a, veg, a, a veggie and salad wrap, mm-hmm. um, and I and I get the I get the rye. Thin rye. Um, I don't know what the brand is. I, you know, I want to promote it because it doesn't have vegetable oils in it. Right. If you check most of the wraps, they've got vegetable oil and vegetable oil, omega six, canola oil, lins, uh, not linseed, but um, sunflower oil, and all those. Uh, they're no, they're a no, no. They're a no, no. We, we we get about twenty times too much in our diet. Um, it's in every. They're in everything. So I get the veg. I get the wraps without the oil put in. They're a bit thinner. I wrap up my salads and so on. Um, and 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 that what I that's what I'd have for lunch. I'd typically then have a cup of tea. Now here I am. Um, I, I would have my English typical English breakfast, well brewed in a pot. Yeah, nice. none of this tea bag stuff. No. I resort to tea bag travelling, but you know it's it's uh, it's uh, my cup of tea in a pot, and the pot looks exactly like what my mum used to have, uh, you know, fifty years ago. So that's that why there's an emotional. It's nice. No, I should have bought it in no matter. My, my teapot, it's got a little tea cosy on that my yeah. mother-in-law bought. Me. So, you know, there's a lot of attachment to making tea. So, um, uh, you know, then, then we'd, then we'd uh, yeah, I'd have some snacks during the day and uh, we, we, we might have some protein, chocolate, coconut protein balls or, or, or I might even have some of the leftovers from dinner last night and so on because uh, sometimes we've got the big family at home and sometimes we don't, so there's leftovers. And then dinner, dinner, we'd, have a, dinner we'd have a cooked meal. Um, uh, we don't, we nearly always have some salad with it though. First of all, salad. And I, look, I run a lot of weight loss courses. I run, um, whole programs and stuff on weight loss. And one of the first things I tell people, it's more raw, more veggies, more salad. And before you eat, have the salad. Don't leave it to after you've eaten everything, have the salad. It, uh, and, and, uh, you know, it helps you lose weight a lot faster. Um, it, it also fills you up better and it preps you. So how does, uh, how does then, that work in, in the body? Is it because your, your stomach's empty and then you can digest? I would just imagine that it would be easy to digest that salad, you know, if that went into your stomach first as opposed to like meat on, you know, on top of meat or whatever. Is, is that why it's just easier to digest the salad at the beginning of the meal or? Partly, partly. Um, one, of the, you know, one of the things about raw is that um, every, food, every food comes with its own enzymes to break itself down. Okay. So if I pick meat, got a little enzyme in it called catspin, okay? But I don't eat raw meat. Now, where are the other alternatives? If I eat my salad, my veggies raw, you know, carrots and things, and I have my other, other fruit raw, it's got everything in there to digest, and it goes down to the top of my stomach, which is called the fundus. And because it's already got the enzymes, as long as I chewed it enough, mm. it's released the enzymes, and they start the digestive process. And it's going, whoa, my body's going, whoa, Pete, I'm getting all this energy and digestion already without having to put in all your, um, uh, all, all your digestive enzymes, the hydrochloric acid, because your, 
your your body doesn't want to you know digesting is a, a, an exhausting mm. process it's really quite tiring hence when you've had a big meal oh, you lay down on the couch christmas for example and you lay down on the couch and and you know you you go to sleep and that's what most of us feel like after a big meal when you have a raw one you don't because you don't have to waste those important digestive enzymes that in the stomach the, the protease and um, the ones that break down the protein and so on, uh, all your digestive juices in the stomach. And then when it gets into the small intestine, the other di digestive enzymes in the food also kick in. So again, you're saving energy. But there's another really important aspect. There's, there's, there's lots of them, but there's another really important aspect about having raw. And that is, we now know that the food and the byproducts of the food broken down by our microorganisms and our microorganisms talk directly to our genes. I'll give you one classic example. On the way down to your gut, there's something like 26 different receptors for different types of food. So by the time it gets down into your stomach, it says, oh, I know what we're eating. <laughs> oh, we're eating this, 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 and oh, and there are enzymes there. And look, we, in fact, we, I, I'm making this up because we really don't know what it's telling us, but I'm imagining. And one <laughs> of the things it says, you know, one of the things it says is, oh, I've got some nice raw food coming down. And that talks straight to the genes and it says, I'm full. I'm full. Don't send any more. So as soon as you have raw food, and a classic example I try to get across to people is, is if you have an apple, most people will have one apple. If you're really, really hungry, four o'clock afternoon, starving, you'll have uh, an apple, maybe two, but you won't get on to three. No way. However, if I cook the apple with a little bit of sugar, 12 of them, like yeah. That's an apples. Chewed apples, yeah. That's, that's really chewed apples, absolutely. Put a bit of pastry on top, cream. I got my apple pie with a dozen <laughs> apples in, and 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 you can actually sit down and eat it. Mm -hmm. Twelve apples. Yeah. And the difference is, it doesn't send any messages to your genes, and then your genes don't send the other messages around the body that you're full. So it says, "I'll oh, keep eating. I can't detect any food because okay. our food." Our food is raw. Our forced food should be raw. And because remember, we've got a couple of hundred thousand years of paleo, but prior to that, we were pre-paleo. You know, three point, how many, sorry, how many millions of years have we been great apes? And it was primarily raw food. Wow. And that raw food sends a message and you will see all other animals eat slowly and they eat it and because they don't get the same. When you have cook food, you can just gulp it down. You can have as much as you want. So raw food sends a really important message. So on, on our, um, on our uh, programs, we actually, you know, weight loss or eat your way to health, it doesn't matter which program I'm running. It's the same. We tell people, have the raw foods. Now, if you want the cooked foods, that's fine. In winter, nothing better than a good hot curry. Mm. I love it, you know. And, 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 and what's good about that is when you eat the meat, it's been cooked down. So if you meet it, you have to have your meat, you have to have your chicken and fish and stuff. Have it in the stews, well, not so much fish, but have it in the stews, have it in the soups. Have it's it in... Um, we, yeah, yeah. So it's all broken down. Mm. And you cook the bones, first of all, and you cook the bones because that's where the real nutrition is. If you can, you cook some of the organs in there too. I know some people don't like that idea. But so organ meats, which are really rich. By the way, when, when, a, when a dog or when a predator would kill an animal in a hunt, the first thing it would do was rip it open its stomach. Yes, and, eat, and they eat the organs first, don't they? And they eat all the organs. Now, not only are they the richest source of most of the nutrients, mm -hmm. but the intestines 
are an incredibly rich source of probiotics. Wow. So all animals, hey, you know, I'm on a probiotic kick at the moment. I'll tell you, I'm, I've, I've, been, I've been researching this for two years. And again, it's coming out in publications later this year. But I can tell you, all animals get their probiotics. It's the first thing they do. The last thing they eat is the steak. They eat the yeah. soft organs, they eat the guts. And all those guts, you're getting all of the nutrients and all the under... In fact, they're getting fibre too. Mm-hmm. And, and they're getting the probiotics and the prebiotics. It's brilliant. And then uh, we do... We, we have the exact opposite. So my message is, if you're going to have your meat, you cook it, cook it, cook it, you slow cook it, you long cook it until it's falling apart. In fact, when, um, and, and my wife does most of the cooking, um, you know, uh, I, I do most of the cleaning. Oh, no, that's not true. I won't, I won't try and take myself here. But um, um, when, when, when she cooks it, and we just had some, we had just had some, um, you know, chicken and corn and veggie soup. And literally at the end, I was eating the bones, the whole bones, the little bones in there had all broken down. Wow. First of all, it was free-range organic. But second of all, by the time it was cooked down, all those bones were just falling apart and I chewed them and there was no throwing out any – there were no leftovers. There were no leftovers. And that's what we need to be able to do, get those bones too. So that's a, that's a fairly typical – have, I have a lot of um, uh, meal, curry meals. Uh, my, my preference is, is vegetarian, but if there's, uh, if there's meat, I don't – uh, you know, shy away from it. Mm-hmm. That's the typical kind of food I would eat. And, and probably, by the way, after that, I would have a, a piece or two of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's my treat for the end of the day. Oh, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this one. I would probably have a glass of wine. Every day? And, but that was before the meal. Now, oh, if you haven't heard anywhere else, I'll tell you the benefits of, of a glass of wine. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of myths out there, okay? They, they talk about resveratrol, which is an antioxidant in red wine. And I'm, by the way, I'm, going to do, I'm, going, I'm probably going to do this as a video blog tonight, a little bit more okay, cool. on this topic. But at five o'clock when I got my glass of wine, I'll, I'll, I'll turn around and do it. <laughs> so, so resveratrol, a red wine, it's got in red, there's a whole raft of red um, antioxidants in red wine, and they're really good, but the doses are so low it's not going to really benefit. It's going to have a very mild benefit. In fact, you have to have 300 glasses of red wine to get a daily dose of resveratrol. So that's a hell of a lot of wine. And the problem is wine has another ingredient in it called alcohol. Oh, yes. And alcohol is poisonous. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And the problem with with that is, um, um, you know, obviously if you drink too much. Now, with, with men and women, there are different processes. Women, unfortunately, it also stimulates estrogen. So it's a, it's a, in, in weight gain, alcohol is great for women for putting on weight. <laughs> so if you want to lose weight, you've got to stay away from the alcohol. However, there are a couple of little benefits of red wine and it's only for a glass or a glass and a half. And that is one, it's, it's full of something called acetic acid. And acetic acid is what you've got in vinegar. Mm-hmm. And of course, vinegar and acetic acid um, has huge gut benefits. I won't go into the details, but it poisons the bad ones. Things like um, your 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 nasty uh, nasty staphylococcus bacteria that's in your gut, or even your candida that might be wow. in your gut, which sorry, is in your gut, and it poisons them. And it also stimulates the growth of the good bacteria around there. And in the process of doing that, it decreases inflammation. So, a glass a glass and a half maybe two, even two, lowers inflammation. But remember, it's still got alcohol, so it's over, overall it has negative benefits. The second benefit of red wine is that it is full of enzymes. Because it hasn't been cooked or baked or anything, it's still raw. 
So the benefit there is having it with wine, which is the traditional way of having a glass of uh, wine with a meal. Mm -hmm. And so it is acts as a digestive. It's got rich in enzymes to hope, you know, to help break down the food. Now, the third real reason why wine is good, because there's nothing better than having a glass of wine with my best friend and my family at five o'clock before the meal. Absolutely. And, and it's that ritual and that connection and coming together, is. isn't it? That's, that's so important. And, and, and like you say, yes, alcohol is a, to- is a toxic toxin and, and we shouldn't have so much of it. And, you know, the resveratrol um, side of the story has been over-marketed massively. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. really, that's really interesting, really interesting to know. So it's kind of like, yeah, like you say, like having a, um, some digestive enzymes before a meal or having yeah. like a shot of apple cider vinegar before a meal, you might as well just have a glass of wine and would it would it have to be red wine peter or would would a glass of prosecco be all right too well definitely not spirits okay um you've you've lost you've lost you've lost most of the benefits of, of, of in spirits and stuff like that um uh, although you think once you've had your first spirit you, you have it as it gets better and better healthier and healthier as you drink it and drink it but <laughs> and um white wine will have a little bit in it obviously any wine will have some of the acetic acid in it okay and, and there'll be a definitely enough in a glass of wine to stimulate that, that benefit on the gut. But again, the alcohol will start to poison the gut and mm. um, it, it poisons, it usually poisons the good bacteria first. So, mm. and that, that's anyway, going back, that's a fairly typical day. I, I, will ha- I, I will usually have some apple cider vinegar once or twice during the day too. And the research on apple cider vinegar, I, I reviewed it about a year ago, wrote a, wrote a blog on it. So there's a whole heap of information if anyone wants that free on my website. Um, and and it, it shows that, Apple cider vinegar was the, the preferred treatment for diabetes before diabetes medication. Oh, I should mention too, right? This is interesting that the main diabetes drug called metformin, mm-hmm. you know how it works? It works by stimulating the gut bacteria. Wow, the best drug in the world for, get this, the best drug in the world for diabetes works by, oh, a natural process. Oh. Oh, oh, my goodness. You see, it was derived from an African lily. And when it was derived, from, and they did the test and they knew it, so you can, you can go out and instead of having metformin, by the way, which, which um, it's probably the only drug I would ever at the moment think that it's got any, any reasonable benefit because of what it does. But yeah. you, can, you can build up the pro, probiotics and prebiotics and your gut microbiota, and there are many other reasons to do it anyway than just taking a drug but i find it interesting the best performing drug is just something that, that fixes replicates. the gut yeah wow it's just, just redoing what nature does even better so they're, 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 i suppose that's how it tells you my philosophy on medication doesn't it <laughs> yes it does rather in in a nutshell yes it does absolutely yeah um so before you had your rewiring were you eating like a standard australian diet i know we sort of like mocked margarine and, and the dairy industry and that sort of thing at the beginning of of the interview but is that what you were eating before your students helped you re- no 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 i mean i look I've, I've always had a healthy pension i try to keep up with stuff and there, there are some of the stuff like margarine just didn't ring true okay um you know as, as soon as as soon as I got into doing a bit of research, I, I just as soon as I looked at margarine and um, the omega six oils, I'm going, this is crazy, this is stupid. How could any so called health organisation promote it? It's scary. In fact, to me, it scares me that this mm. product isn't just not bad, not not good for you. It's bad for you. 
It's linked with the development of cancers, breast cancer, prostate. Mm. It's linked with you know a whole raft of these omega six processed oils. Um, so that's that scares me. So you know, I, I suppose that's what's started me starting asking my students about it. But I've I've always eaten as a, as a young adult. I ate better than most of my friends and. Um, I suppose I'm very physically active in, in my day too. I'll always go out for a walk. I'll do a, a good hour walk or something around the place. Um, I walk in the Fremantle, I'll have a cup of tea, walk out just for the you sake like of it. You like a cup of tea, don't you? I do. Um, <laughs> and the research on tea, mm. the research on tea and coffee is very good. Yay! Again, what I do, you know, I've got all the mums out there listening going, yay, we coffee, could keep coffee. our wine and we can keep our chocolate and, and, and our the, coffee, you beauty. <laughs> See, I, I do, I do bear some good news occasionally. Yeah, that's. But um, the the stuff on coffee and tea is don't have it late in the afternoon. It's better in the morning mm-hmm. because it still has caffeine. So, mm-hmm. in a cup of coffee, for example, you might have forty milligrams of 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 um, uh, caffeine in it. Uh, that's enough. If you have it at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, you're still going to have half of that in when you go to bed at ten o'clock. Right. Coffee's got a, what's called a half-life. So you want to allow plenty of time. I tell people, if you're going to have coffee, enjoy it. You know, up to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, maybe midday, but not after. It yep. will affect the sleep patterns. And I guess, you know, and like so, there's, there's a difference, isn't there, um, between enjoying something like we've talked about, having the ritual with your loved ones at the glass of yeah. wine, enjoying your two squares. I do the same with my dark chocolate every night with a lovely cup of um organic earl grey like we're a bit got a few things in common here um but there's something about having enjoying those things and and i drink coffee but i drink one um coffee a day it's an organic um brand and it's really i love it it's delicious but i think there's a difference between having these things in your life and enjoying them as 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 a part of living and and it's a beautiful ritual as opposed to having them as a crutch and, and drinking 10 cups of coffee a day just to get you through the day and down and a bottle of wine every night because you've got a miserable life and, and eating a whole bar of Cadbury's. Um, you know, there's a difference, isn't there, when you say yes look, to those yeah. things. Yeah. People often talk about balance. I, I really don't think there's any such thing of balance in, in modern, modern day lives. You know, it just doesn't exist. Um, uh, the balance we've got now is very different to the balance we had 50 years ago and 100 years ago and so on. The, the, the message is, though, look, it, 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 and, and same with moderation, we moderate ourselves to death. The message is find out what is good for you, you know, by your program, my program, the, the people who don't have a vested interest out there, and, 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 um, and, and then just ad- adopt what they do, you know, adapt it into your lifestyle. So, you know, the, the research, again, remember, I don't have a vested interest in coffee here or even red wine for that matter, but, oh, by the way, if, if anyone wants to send me a box of red wine, please, I'm happy with that. Or <laughs> <some coffee. laughs> me too. Um, but, but at the at, at the, I'm trying to get some sponsorship here. You say. No, at the, at the end of this, the research on coffee is really clear. And it, it's, a bit, it's a bit when I'm reading it because I, I would say to people, I would have normally said, you know, have a cup or two of coffee a day. Um, no sugar, no sugar. A bit of milk's okay, no sugar. Uh, but the research, the research actually shows that um, you can have up to three or four, believe it or not, even five cups of coffee. So the information is there from the studies to show it helps with reversing or preventing diabetes type 2, uh, uh, cardiovascular, uh, some cancers, some, uh, some other chronic health conditions. And it's probably because the, the coffee bean itself is a bean and you're getting a lot of the antioxidants as well as a little bit of the microfiber in the drink and so on. Mm. So there's, there's a, you know, 
there's lots of little benefits you can get from it. Now, you add too much milk and you add sugar in that and you're going to lose the benefit. But the research is pretty clear on coffee and tea and all those. So hence why I don't like the taste of coffee, so I don't drink it. But, you know, I'll drink my tea up until 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon um, and, and, and then, you know, rest of the day, probably have a glass of water later on or something. Um, uh, yeah, so kind of that, that's the, the, the drinks and my glass of wine at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whenever it is when the family comes over. What a great day. What a great day. And so in, your, in, in the food that you're eating, you've talked a lot about raw um, veggies, lots of um, green veggies and slow cooked down um, meat that's been cooked in, in the broth and organ meats as well. And are you as just sort of assuming that you're also, you have a big focus on getting lots of good fats into your diet as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, fats fats are really important. And again, uh, I tried to dispel in, in lots of my books and messages and even the ones I wrote 15 years ago, I'm saying don't go on a low-fat diet. In fact, you know, for weight loss, for weight loss, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is go on a low-fat diet calorie counting. Oh, here's a study that came up today. You're right, you like this one? Uh, low-fat milk increases your risk of Parkinson's disease over normal-fat milk. Now, do you like that study? Why? Because your nervous system is made out of fat. Yeah. And, you know, it's the insulin, the, 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 not the insulin, the, 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 the sheet, the covering of it, the insulating sheet around it is all made out of fat. Everything in the body. See, in your body, your structural components, a lot of them are fat. So your cell membrane. Uh, for example, your, your um, uh, nervous system, a lot of the structural components are fat. So we've always needed fat. This is a crazy thing in this low fat, you know, promoted by the government and promoted by heart foundations. No, it's good fats. Mm. And a little bit of animal fat is not a problem. Now, here I'm saying a little bit. So if you have a little bit, you know, in the cooked in broth, fine, don't whack on all the butter. But if you don't have that stuff, a little bit of butter is okay. Because we also know that the animal fats in the gut alter the microbiome in a negative way. They, they, they encourage what's called the Firmicutes bacteria, the negative fat-loving ones, which okay. then, by the way, turn on the genes for weight gain okay. and do other things around the body. So what we, what we want to do is get a balance. So it's a little bit of the animal fats, not a problem. Never, ever, ever go low fat. Because as soon as you start altering the structure of your foods, taking things out and putting things low, high, all this stuff, you're ending up with a bastardized product. It is literally a cocktail of junk food now. And what scares me is we see all these people and they're drinking chocolate milk, low-fat chocolate milk, and I cringe and I cringe. This is the stuff that is killing our kids that are making everyone sick. These are the type of foods that, that get four or five stars on the government food star rating system. And, and I cringe. Mm. So you've asked me, why do I do this? Because I hate seeing people suffer, mm. whether it's an individual who I'm talking with or it's, it's the people, the population. And all these people are getting information from dietitians. You're telling them, to, oh, eat the food pyramid, you know, go on a low-fat diet, go on a, go on a, um, uh, oh, use um, the, 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 the better Coke, you know, the diet Coke or the diet Pepsi or the diet drinks. No, all of those things are causing sickness. Oh, exercise heavily. No, all of those things are proven to cause illness. 
all of them. And they're all proven. They're all proven to help put on weight. And so I see these people out there and I cringe and I go, oh, no, come on. Mm-hmm. The critical rule, rule of all of my the things I talk about in terms of eating and so on is nutrient-dense foods as close as nature as you can. And nutrient-dense foods, um, you know, the, these are your, your fruits, nuts, beans. Um, some of the paleo people don't like my nut. The, the, I talk about nuts and beans, but um, sorry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scientist and I look at the research and it says beans work. Tell me nuts more about work. the beans because I do. I have written down beans, question mark. I wanted to, and I've heard a bit of research um, actually from uh, Sarah Ballantyne lately where she's saying that it's the fibre in the beans that our gut needs to... Um, to feed on it is that why you you like beans or what's your scientific take on on legumes okay before i get i i, I probably want to tell you that you know the, the the reason i'm healthier now is probably because as a kid i ate baked beans you know i live i remember getting home hungry and i would eat beans okay so <laughs> beans are my friends didn't like it necessarily but my beans are the, the mainstay <laughs> by the way my standard joke on that one is that's what human beans uh, sorry beans are superfoods and we know it because that's why we're called human beans Oh, Bad right. joke, you know? People remember <laughs> now. The, the problem, the problem with beans and grains and seeds in general, all of those foods in nuts, is that they are seeds, and they're meant to you know, stay dry somewhere. And then when the rains come, they're in the ground. When the rains come, and they start to germinate. Mm-hmm. Now, to stay in that dormant situation, in a in a state of suspended animation, they've got certain chemicals that are literally stopping. So they've got some anti enzymes. They've got some chemicals, some um, uh, uh, phytates and other chemicals that are stopping them germinating. Because they don't. You don't want to germinate if there's no water. It's no good germinating in the middle of summer um, over here in Perth when it's really dry. You want to wait till the rains come. So what you want to do, and this is why everyone tells you to soak them. Because these anti-enzymes that are in the, the nuts and the seeds and the beans need to be broken down so we can start to germinate and in the process of germinate, change the whole biochemistry of it to make it much more available and bioavailable. Mm-hmm. So when you soak your beans, and you, you would know, you know if, you're, if you're cooking chickpeas, you, you soak them overnight. You don't go out. Now, now on, a, on a quite a serious note, if you don't soak them, you will end up, being a lot more flatulent. Yeah. And that's because your gut bacteria are altering and trying to, trying to break them down. They're trying and struggling, and they're breaking them down, but they're struggling. And anyone with gut issues, and I reckon that's about 90% yeah, yeah, of all of us. <laughs> sorry, 99% of Australians, and, and you do, folks. I'm looking at you here, and I know, I know you look healthy. I know all your people are great, but I haven't come across a person with a gut without a gut issue. And um, I, I mean, I, what scares me is the kids. I see these serious gut issues that used to occur in the 60 and 70 year olds are now occurring mm-hmm. in the 14 and 15 year olds. Um, I haven't heard that story since today, you know, another, another one. And I'm on the email trying to help some people and we're going to, yeah. so, so coming back to it, you soak them all, you soak the nuts. Now, if you've got a healthy gut, having some raw nuts, you're out in the supermarket, um, open, buy some nuts and eat them. That's not an issue. But if you're going to eat nuts regularly, which I tell people to, soak them. Um, and it doesn't matter which ones, soak them. Um, the same with your seeds, the same with your, any, any of those things you need to soak. Uh, and that way you get rid of these anti-enzymes. It becomes much more digestible to you. You get more of them. Some people say, oh, you know, th- th- these chemicals take away the minerals. Well, th- that's rubbish because, um, yeah, they do. But these, these foods are so rich in minerals anyway. Mm. They're not taking minerals out of your bones. They're taking a little bit of the minerals from the almond. 
that you can't digest. Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. You know, you're still getting a, um, almond, 10 times, 10 times more um, calcium than, than milk and almonds, uh, 100 times more, uh, 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 what else, magnesium than milk and uh, almonds. So what's the choice? Mine is almonds. Soak them and put them in, a, put them in your smoothies, make some, you know, some nut smoothie that, again, I've demonstrated multiple times on, on my video tubes and on my, my you know, Facebook tubes and yeah. things. Yeah. So soak that them, soak all of them and soak them the longer the better. There are some rules. I don't know them all. I just, I just put them in the night before or whenever I can. And if I don't, then I don't worry about it, but I will try to soak when I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. And your thoughts on grains? Look, um, I, I, I tend to stay away from grains. I, um, I, I travel a lot with my talk, so I've just come back from Victoria where I, I flew over, did a talk in Torquay on the Great Ocean Road and then oh. flew back. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty hard, you know, while you're travelling. So, But I'm, I'm, I consider myself extremely healthy. I don't have any gut issues. I don't have any complaints. Uh, I, feel, I feel fit and healthy at 60 years of age, better than I probably did at 25. Uh, and, and so... Having grains for me isn't an issue. I don't overindulge, though. I'll eat it on the way when I've come home. So today I haven't consumed any grains. I probably won't today or tomorrow, and I may have a, a wrap or a sandwich even, you know, if I'm out somewhere. Um, it, it, but I, I try to stay away from them. Mm -hmm. And if you want to lose weight, my message there is very, very clear. Your grains, particularly your, your, just your white ones, but all, all of your grains pretty well, um, act pretty well like sugar. So you want to put on weight, they're a great way to put on weight. Mm -hmm. Have your breads, have those. Now, um, a lot of people say, but what about breakfast? Well, I, I believe they're called, you know, I, I'm, I will write a book also one day called Cereal Killers. And the cereals we have for breakfast are the biggest cause of obesity and weight gain in Australian adults. So get rid of the cereals. So what do you have? Well, if you have to, if you have to have a cereal, and people plead with me, they plead with me, you know? Really? And they say, well, what can I have? Can I have my oats? I say, look, have your oats, oh. but soak them and have your oats, okay, because there is good research on oats being beneficial, but have your oats with some soaked nuts and some ground up seed so that it, you see, the grains themselves are pretty nutrient poor. They're really, they don't compare to the, to the nuts and the veggies and things mm -hmm. like that. So mix them in, put a bit of fruit on top, to increase, improve that digestion as well, to make digestion a lot better um, and do that. Or as I do, if I'm uh, out, for example, on the weekend, I'd have a big bowl of fruit salad with some crushed grains and nuts on top whenever I could and things like that and, and maybe some oats on top mixed in with it. But mm. it's about improving the digestive process. And, and so my, my, my message is generally stay away from grains, re reduce your exposure. If you've got gut issues and you probably do, then... Keep them away. They're, 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 they cause no matter. Even if you don't have celiac disease or a gluten intolerance, the the research is tending to suggest that it's still causing inflammation in the gut. And yeah. inflammation in the gut is what causes chronic illness throughout the body. And so, one of the first things I do is tell people fix the gut, lower the inflammation in the gut, and then fix the inflammation by eating healthier anti-inflammatory foods. That's really interesting because, um, you like like you say. The majority of the population and the, I think the majority like the majority of this audience who are around 40 something I reckon we've been the worst generation hit in terms of um, you know the foods that we've eaten I remember seeing the low fat message at age 14 and didn't yeah. eat fat for 25 years and, and had the, the low fat milks and the health healthy whole grain inverted commas um, diet the excessive 
um, the excessive exercising, obviously the extra sugar because you needed something to yeah. run on, and the, the adrenal burnout, the contraceptive pill, the antibiotics for the acne that you had, you know, all of this um, cocktail of, um, you know, but you, 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 were, you were sticking to the CSIRO diet you know, to lose your baby. Yeah, and the government um, recommendations and the dietitians' recommendations and yeah. all of these things, and thinking you were doing the right thing. Thinking we were doing the right thing. And I, was, I, wasn't eating at, I wasn't eating at McDonald's or any places like that. Yeah. But I was, but yep. I was, I was drinking the, the Pepsi Max because a dietitian told me that was a good way it, to boost It's better life. than sugar. Yes, exactly. So, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something. This is a great study that they did. It's a couple of studies. And it was on diet, diet um, yeah. the... the, the uh, the aspartame, okay, that they put in in, in these uh, no calorie, low calorie drinks, and so on, and 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 the, they did a study on humans first of all, and they found out that of the humans who had um, these uh, uh, diet drinks and so on, it um, increased the risk of diabetes about three hundred percent that of consuming sugar in your drink. How? So your risk of diabetes type two dramatically increased over sugar, so worse than sugar, by about 300%, three times the amount. Now, then what they did was this group worked in with another group and they, and they, they got a group of mice. So you're humans you can't control very well and you've got to make estimates. So they thought they'd do an experiment with mice. And then with the mice, what they did was gave them these, um, one group got sugar, one group got better food, and one group got um, these uh, uh, diet drinks or diet foods and things like that. The diet food drink group all put on weight and developed the condition of diabetes type 2. So all of them had unrestricted food and the diet drink put on more weight, a lot more weight. But here is the, here is the clincher in this. They then got the, diet, the, the overweight diet drinking mice, they got their poo and they gave it to the other mice. You see mice... Um, do something called coprophilia. They actually eat the poo of uh, other animals and, and themselves and so right. on, which is really good because they circulate the bacteria and so on, okay? People go, oh, yuck, you know, <laughs> no, 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 really good for mice anyway. Yeah. And so they, they got, they got the, the mouse poo from the diabetic mice who'd been giving these um, uh, diet drinks and diet foods and they gave it to the normal healthy mice. And guess what happened to them? They developed diabetes type 2 and obesity. Mm. It's showing that these diet drinks, no calorie, low calorie diet drinks are actually poisoning the gut bacteria enough to set off these whole metabolic process of gaining weight. So for the last 50 years, you've been lied to. Now you said, you know, um, your, your generation or the generation of the 40 year olds is worse off. No, it's not. It's not. You know, I was lucky. They weren't around when I was a kid. Um, uh, you know, and I still got to a lot of crap in messages and things your your generation or the 40 year old generation is is yeah really bad but what really worries me is the generation coming through now mm. and the scary thing is the governments aren't doing anything that's why again going back what drives me uh, when i see kids consuming these you know one can of soft drink diet or not for a kid is equivalent to me drinking a liter and a half yeah right yeah. put it in perspective mums dads oh i want to treat them i'm sorry you know I, I, have, I, don't, I don't treat my grandkids to death either. I don't. I love them. And the things they come, they get fish oils and they think that's a treat at our house. It's a wacko house, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> Cod liver oil. 
supplement they like. Yeah. Probiotics, white powder. Now, it's not heroin. It's bloody probiotics. They actually think it's a treat. <laughs> and then the, the smoothies and um, granddad's spinach pie. You know, these are the treats that the kids love. Awesome. And what we should be um, they'll say, can I have the sweets at the supermarket when we go? And very, very rarely will we. But on, on that rare occasion, majority of time, sorry, sorry, granddaughter, come home, we've got the fruit to eat. Okay, so that's, that's the alternative that you give because it's fair enough saying, you know, no, you, you can't have that. But is there, is there an alternative that you would give your grandkids other than uh, a soft drink? What would you say? Oh, look, absolutely. And look, it's open to your imagination. There are so many things. Uh, uh, of course, you know, the problem with coming home from school is that the, the kids are hungry. Mm. So when our grandkids come over, and that's, uh, hold on, that's uh, seven days of the week. Oh. <laughs> we get our grandkids here, yeah. And their treats are the smoothies. And we make them a bit sweeter. We put in a little bit of banana in there, so it's a little bit sweeter than the ones I'd have in the morning. But we'll do the smoothies with them. And what do you want in the smoothies? Oh, can I put a rock melon in? I really like rock melon. But we put the seeds and everything in too, by the way. So everything goes into the rock melon. We don't throw out the bits and pieces. With the pears and the apples and the oranges, the whole go in with the seeds, which, which by the way, are 10 times more nutritious. And, and so we will make that for them. So when they come here, and we'll get, we'll get one of them in about uh, half an hour's time or some time, and when, when, they, you know, when they show up, there'll be a smoothie or there'll be some delicious food then some fruit or awesome fruit. And so they're no longer hungry and they don't go, oh, I want a lolly. I want to, you know, yeah. um, we've got to satisfy them with food. Yes. And we've got to have that food ready. Uh, when kids are hungry, they're hungry. And I read a book called The Deal for Happier, Healthier, Smarter Kids a long time ago. And the same thing applies. When kids are hungry, they will eat anything. And if they're really hungry, they will eat the foods that they don't even like. And, of course, all you do is educate them a little bit. Our, our granddaughter believes that broccoli um, helps keep your keeps her ears beautiful, and if you don't have broccoli, <laughs> I haven't heard that before. No, I know she's. We had to do a lie on that one, but she loves that story. I like that one. I like that one a lot, but it's true. You know, like, I think bringing hun hunger to the table makes everything taste better, and I think that yeah. a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of families struggle because dinner is like the only nutrient dense meal of the day. Really, when you have a look yeah. at. Yeah. The breakfast cereal, yep. lunch boxes, and then, you know, then it starts all of this confrontation around dinner time because the kids aren't eating their meal, but that's because they've just smashed a whole packet of rice crackers and had yeah. all these, um, and they're not hungry, hell surprise. I mean, I, I remember as a kid coming home from school and I'd, I'd have the beans sometimes, and, but other times I'd literally have three bowls, three bowls of Wheaties and Wheat Bix. Mm. Okay, three bowls, because I, I was pretty active as a kid. I still am now very active. I was active as a kid. Uh, I think it was called hyperactivity. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> You've got a lot of energy. In those days, because I, I wouldn't be where I am now had they given me those drugs back then. Oh, now, um, I would have three bowls. Come, come dinner time at six o'clock, I was full. Because my eating habits don't conform to the Industrial Revolution, which says you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Um, uh, you know, a kid, a teenager, uh, a six year old, doesn't matter when they come home from school, they're hungry. The food and the healthy food has to be available then. If you can't have your dinner then, I'm sorry. That's up to you as a parent. But they need their dinner then. And then a snack at 6 o'clock. So we've got it ready. We're conformed to our business and our work society. And that doesn't fit the digestive needs and the metabolic needs of kids. And you'll find they'll have that meal and then they'll be right for the you know, next hour. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a serious, grumpy kid. And there's nothing worse than that.
Oh no, and trying to get them to the dinner table at, at meal time yep. and you don't want to do it and you know it's just and then it just ruins everyone's evening, doesn't it? So that's great advice to have their the ki- the kids' dinner when they get back from school, when they're absolutely ravenous, when they're like yeah. relieved to be home and, and, and that that that's what what a great way to be met off this well, bus than with here, a little here is the, the add on here is the add on to that one, isn't in that we are hungry at that time too. That's why we head for the chocolate bars at four o'clock in the in the cupboard, at, you know, the drawer at home. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll look. I'll just get through to dinner. And by the time yeah. we get dinner, you're either eating some crap or or you're you're you're, you're starving. So you're better off having your meal earlier than later. And in fact, um, there's overwhelming research showing the later you have your meal, the sicker the sicker you are and the more overweight you are. Wow. So have your earlier and then have a snack a little later maybe six or seven o'clock if you have to but have your meal earlier we should be having afternoon tea as tea or dinner yeah at, you know say four o'clock or three kids 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 will tell you when they're hungry and it's it's three o'clock it's not it's not waiting around for six or seven o'clock for the parents no. and as a result they end up overeating they eat the wrong foods and a whole raft of other things so some simple strategies can make a really big difference those are really great takeaways no i love those so um we're, i'm just keeping an eye on the time but um i just wanted to ask um so I've got another 99 hours to go <laughs> I'll have to okay have again another time. Um, um, so as I was saying about the 40-odd-year-old generation, and you're absolutely right, you know, yes, we've been smashed with the low-fat message, but, yes, our kids are in definitely a, a much worse place. But for those of those women who are listening, who are um, relating to lots of things that we've talked about and just like me, you know, like face-palming and, and, oh, my goodness, can't believe it, of the things that you're telling us, can we reverse the bad that we've done? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Look, the fantastic thing is we can. There's some. There's been research throughout throughout. You know, the, the research history, the last 50, 60 years, showing you can reverse them. But one of one of my mentors years ago, I got a guy called Professor Dean Ornish, Berkeley University, California, and uh, he did some work showing um, first of all that you can unblock the arteries. So you get a cardiologist and you, oh, you're blocked. You're going to have to cut your arteries out and we'll do something, you know, um, a $20,000 severe operation. And Dean Orney showed you you can actually reverse it. Now, since then, there have been multiple, multiple studies, in, in, even including one with 10,000 people, where 500 went on the Dean Ornish program and all of them unblocked their arteries. So we can reverse wow. it. Now, again, unfortunately, the cardiologists don't read the least, the specialists out there specialize so much they don't read the real research and mm-hmm. i do now what was interesting is dean ornish did that in the late 90s in the early 2000s he did the same same diet program which is what i talk about in fact i think i'm mine's much better than what dean did but you know a lot more nutrition and a lot more other things in there mm-hmm. lowering stress yeah and he was a show that it reversed prostate cancer wow since then, we've been able to show you can reverse diabetes type 2. Now, if you go to a clinician, someone who, you know, part-time works for the drug company, they'll tell you, um, they'll tell you that, look, oh, no, you can't reverse diabetes, you can't do anything, you've got to stay on these drugs. Uh, yeah, in 10 years' time, we'll have you cut, cut, cut your toes off, recent scenario, oh, we'll, then we'll cut your foot off and then your leg off. Don't worry about it. That's just a condition and that's a bit inconvenient. Well, you know what? You can reverse diabetes type 2 and it takes a couple of weeks. You can unblock your arteries and it starts straight away. You can do these things. And the good thing is, it's not about doing one thing and then that one. The Dean Ornish program and the program we teach is the same. It's the same program, you know, that you're going on. 
It's the same process and it reverses all these, but even more importantly, it prevents them occurring. Yes. And what, 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 what astounds me is how short-sighted humans are. Okay, how short-sighted. So if I take off my glasses, I'm short-sighted. I can't see anything anymore. <laughs> and so I go, oh, it doesn't matter what I do today. I'm still going to get cancer. I'm still going to have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> no, I put my and say, no, I'm not. No, I don't have to. We can, we can dramatically reduce our risk of a heart attack by about 95%. Now, heart attack is the biggest killer. Yeah. Okay? Cardiovascular disease is the biggest killer, 95%. Now, on top of that, you can reduce your risk of cancers by about, well, the estimates are about 50 to 70, but I think it's probably closer to about 70 to 90%. So we can reduce them. So you have an option. Everybody there listening now and all your friends around you have an option. If you think you're locked into your genetics, you're not. If you think that you're going to get cancer, then guess what? You probably will. Oh, I'll drink this. I'll eat that crap. I'll do all these things. Um, I won't go out in the ingredient on all over my, you know, all over me and so on. And I'll eat, I'll drink fluoridated water and all those things. And that's fine. No problems. Um, well, let me tell you, when you get to that stage, I see hundreds of people a year who have said, oh, I wish I'd, sorry, thousands. I wish I had heard your message 20 years ago. Mm. Unfortunately, they did. They did but they didn't want to listen because they didn't have the diabetes and were heading in for an operation or they hadn't had the heart attack or they didn't have their breasts removed or they didn't have whatever it is. Mm. So the reality is we can prevent it and for the vast majority of these conditions, we can reverse it. Professor George Jelinek, originally from Western Australia, then now over in, 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 um, in uh, Victoria, had multiple sclerosis. He got worse. He went on the medication, got worse, went on more medication, got worse. He then did the research, which is what I do every day, and he said, oh, I can reverse this. He now, he now runs a ward in Alfred Hospital in Victoria because he went downhill with the drugs and with the doctor's advice, and now he's gone uphill with nutrition. And his book Fantastic. called Reversing Multiple Sclerosis is scathing of the pharmaceutical companies, scathing of the doctors telling you go have that and you can't do anything about it. Multiple sclerosis is easy to reverse about 95% of them. The same with these other conditions, as long as we know how. But it's all the same process. It's this nutritional, nutritional density in the foods. It's the lifestyle. It's, uh, you know, it's to stop the rushing around and the craziness, that, that mental agitation, the, 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 the negative processing that we constantly do, the toxins on our skin. I haven't even talked about, but, you know, I mentioned one study. I can cite thousands of studies of the toxins that we put in our mouth mm. and on our skin um, and on your hair, not that I have any, uh, that, that, that literally cause these problems. And, and people go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and don't worry about it. And 10 years, 20 years' time, they come and say, Pete, uh, what can I do now? How do I do it? Yeah. Don't yeah. wait, please. My don't me one message long. is don't wait, act now, and do it a little bit at a time, implement it slowly into your life and over a year you'll have this great life where you know you're empowered and doing something about your health and more importantly about your family's health because despite what you tell your kids they will learn not from what you tell them but from what you do Absolutely. so do what you need to do to look after your health and that's the best message you'll ever give your kids that's absolutely right i love it be the change you want to see that's absolutely right yep
And it can, you know, it can be a painful awakening, like you said, Pete, where, you know, yes, you, you've, you've had the cancer or you've had the diabetes or the major health crisis that makes you go, okay, I'm ready to listen to Dr. Dingle's advice now and, and do something. But it doesn't have to be, does it? You could just, like you say, make those slight tweaks around your, your food, your lifestyle, mindset, and how you move your body and manage stress and all that kind of thing. And, and life can be a lot more delicious and inspiring and bloody awesome. So why wait? Yeah, I mean, look, what you're getting at is really important. You know, there are two aspects there. The, the first is that when you start on this path towards healthiness, you end up getting your energy back. You yeah. end up rebalancing. For ladies out there, you rebalance your hormones. So all of a sudden you don't, you're not heading towards um, a, a hormone condition and thyroid drugs later in life. You're already rebalancing them because nature knows how to heal. Nature knows how to keep you healthy. So you get your energy, you can do the things you want to do and you can do more of them and better because of that nutri nutrients. If you're feeling tired, then you've got an issue. Now remember, this is about a lifestyle as well. But the second thing, which, which I, I suppose I find absurd, is that I'm classified as a health nut. You know, I don't mind being a health nut because you know what's normal? Normally sick and dying. That's Normally right. sick and having no energy. Normally sick and having flatulence and burping and gut bloating and being overweight. That is normal. It's I don't common, but it's normal. not normal, I is be, it? I, I want to be a health nut because, yeah. you know, at least I know if something happens to me, then I'm in charge. It's my fault. Yeah. Not, not anybody else's. And I've taken responsibility. That's what this is about. Take responsibility. Yeah, owning it, absolutely. Now, you're, you've said so many amazing things today and you've talked about some of the courses that you run as well. So if people are listening to this and they want to connect with you and work with you, how can they get started? Well, look, the best, the best couple of ways is obviously um, on Facebook. I do regularly regular stuff on Facebook. I'm putting up video. I put up a video blog this morning on the, on the smoothie. I told you I cheated on my life, prepped it, but only your group now knows that. Don't share one. it. <laughs> Most of the time I do, but um, yeah, so I, I put those up just to show, you know, I, I show people how to make a, a nutsly and a seedsly, which is just a muesli made out of nuts and or seeds and things. So I'm putting that up and, and increasingly I'm going to just be doing some of the other talks to add on. Um, about the pharmaceutical industry, about the drugs that people are taking that don't work and the drugs that do work, as well as the nutrients that we need to get well. So Facebook is a great um, interaction for me. I'm easy to track down. It's just DR1, DR Peter, Dr. Peter, one word, then Dingle. And the other one is through my website, which is just Dr. Dingle, drdingle.com. And as a result, you can get there. I put up blogs, go on to my newsletter. It's free. I put up blogs all the time. Um, uh, and, and then I put them on some of them on my Facebook or not. And it's a great resource for people to just have a look down. And again, most of them are referenced, not all, because sometimes I've taken it out. But uh, at the end of the day, they're, they're great resources. And then um, for those professionals out there, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can track me down and I put even less up there. So it's really Facebook and my website that, that are the most and, uh, you know, helping get this information out. So we run courses. We've got some courses coming up, one on weight loss, just a night presentation, uh, and one on probiotics the week before. I think it's the 11th and the 18th of July in North Perth. So if you're in Perth, a great location, easy to get to. And I think we, ch we charge $18 for the night. Very doable. So yeah. Well, we, we, you know, we keep it accessible. Uh, and then after that, I'm literally doing an Australia-wide tour. That will be, once we confirm that within a week, that the list of those places and locations will be up on my website. 
Uh, and the main area where they're going there is Queensland. We'll be doing about 20 or 30 talks over on the East Coast again before we come back and run some other talks back here. Awesome. Awesome. So definitely head to um, Dr. Dingle's website page and Facebook um, as well to, to, to connect and um, hopefully get some inspiration. Um, before uh, our listeners go, I just wanted to um, tell everyone about the Primal Alternative community. If you want to hang out with other health nuts like myself and Pete, um, who value clean food, doable exercise, sleep, getting out in nature and avoiding poisons, then definitely check us out at the Facebook group um, Primal Alternative Community. Dr. Dingle is a member. I don't think he even knows he's in there, but I plonked him in there, so he's in there. We have um, daily... I'll visit, it. I'll visit it now that I know I'm in there. <laughs> you, have actually, you have actually already commented in there already, so it's, it's yeah. legit. Um, we have daily themes in the group. So, for example, today is Top Tip Tuesday, and my top tip was borrowed from uh, Dr. Dingle about one of the best ways to reduce um, toxins, which we haven't even talked about much today at all, but to reduce toxins in the home is to open up the windows and doors and let yeah. fresh air in. So that was my yep. top tip today. Dr. Dingle, thank you so much for just being this amazing ball of passion and inspiration and ideas and energy. I'm so grateful for you being on the Primal Alternative podcast today. Helen. Absolutely my pleasure, and I just love getting this message out. So anytime, we'll have another chat later if you want. Sounds great. Thank you. See you, guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.